Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Larkin, coming to you live from high above the Mellow Mushroom in beautiful downtown metropolitan Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, We have a different uh, crew on the ship today. Our normal co-host from the West Coast, uh, Aaron Porter, is uh, off in the wilds of California, far from cell phone range. He's going to be gone this week. And Mondo... Our peerless, fearless engineer is on a last-minute mission of mercy to Detroit City and is also unavailable. But we have with us a guy who joined us last week, one of our favorite local pirate monks, Newton Dominey. Hello, Newton. Hello, hello. Uh, Newton, you just you, you're only minutes out of a doctor's office, aren't you? Yeah, I told him to quit poking and prodding because I had a radio show to do. <laughs> All right. Hey, did they did they make you run? Did you do the did you do the treadmill and that whole deal? Yeah. So I wasn't on a treadmill. I was uh, actually on a bike. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, so I, I had to do the the stress test, and I think that I may have been the first person in the history of this clinic who was excited to get a VO2 max test. The lady had clearly never seen someone as giddy as me to have their VO2 max. Uh, checked. Oh wow! Um, so, yeah. But so well, all, all went well, uh, and I'll know results in a few days of, you know, how healthy I am and if it matches up to how healthy I ought to be. Okay, that's cool. And you're gearing up for a big run that's just a few weeks off, right? Yeah, uh, I am heading off with uh, your fine son Daniel to uh, Virginia for the Iron Mountain Trail Race. He's doing the the thirty mile, and I'm doing the the sixteen again this year. So it's a it's a lot of fun running around, playing in the woods for an afternoon. All right, well, better you than me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, our executive producer Jay Spiegel is also with us. Uh, can you can you talk there, Jay? I know you're multitasking where you are. I can talk, and I promise not to type on the keyboard while I'm talking to you. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I'll tell you what I'd like to do. We have such a special guest with us today, uh, somebody who I've been dying to meet for years. I feel like I've missed her by minutes on several occasions. I walk into rooms where she has just departed and everybody's talking about her. Um, My wife uses some lotions that are produced by uh, the organization that she founded. Uh, she's a, a remarkable woman with an exciting mission and a great story to tell. I think our uh, listeners are going to just absolutely love Becca Stevens. So I move that uh, we go straight to the interview this week and then maybe pull a mini meeting later on. Is that all right with you guys? I'll second that motion. Okay, cool. All right. Well, uh, our. Uh, 
Uh, Jay, do you have that intro to her handy? I don't have it sitting up here. Um, Becca Stevens, I know, is uh, an ordained priest. Uh, she works at Vanderbilt, does she not, Jay? There with the uh, Augustine. Oh, brother. Yes, she's the campus. Uh, the campus priest, I guess, is the right. I got right title, but I guess Becca can clarify that. But she calls herself a snake oil seller. And she has a- <laughs> has a book entitled Snake Oil, The Art of Healing and Truth-Telling. And uh, she she takes natural oils and mixes them with a good story and sells them in an open market, believes they'll help the wor- help heal the world. And she is the founder of uh, Thistle Farms. Uh, it's uh, one of the most successful ventures in the U.S. of a social enterprise whose mission is the workforce and its residential program, Magdalene. Now, the women of Magdalen and Thistle Farms have survived prostitution, trafficking, and addiction in the natural body care products. They manufacture bombs, soaps, and lotions, aid in their own healing, as well as offer it to those who buy them. So that's that's kind of the short version. Uh, so uh, I think wow. we should go straight to Becca. It's All right. Everybody. Well, uh, are you with us, Becca? I am right here. Oh, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Beck Stevens. Yeah. And listen, thank you for that sweet intro. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but honestly, I don't understand that man that you were talking to at the beginning sounds very young. Why did he have to take a stress test? I'm confused. <clears throat> uh, genetics. <laughs> uh, uh, genetics. Oh, my God. That's the best way to put it. Um, I'm the healthiest person I know that has a lousy cholesterol level. Uh, wow. So I try to figure out why my heart rate does what it does when I run because it just doesn't work right. Yeah. Okay. But oh, I so like, you they that start I to do young. that on everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm uh, glad you're yeah, Newton also pushes himself, so it's, I'm glad he's checking because he, you know, he's a he is a rock climber. He owns a climbing gym. And then he goes and runs uh, over mountains and does stuff like that. So it does. Uh, yeah. I'm glad that you're taking the precaution there, Newton. Well, so you know, back- I can't do the things I like when I'm dead. So <laughs> being, being alive is a great way to do the things I want to do. Exactly. <laughs> well, Becca, all how right, long? So what do y'all want to talk about? Well, I, well first <laughs> of all, uh, I want to get a little background on your story. Um, how how long have you been in Nashville? How did you get here, and how did you find yourself in the in the mission uh, that uh, has uh, that you now are known for? Well, it says Newton says genetics, right? Um, <laughs> I'm kind of my father and mother's child. My dad was an Episcopal priest, and we were um, he and mom are both from New York. They had five children moved to Nashville in 1967, and he was killed by a drunk driver. So my mom basically got stranded in the South with five kids. Wow. And then um, she was a social worker. So my dad was a priest, and my mom, she was a nurse working as a social worker. And then um, about a year after my dad died, the guy that came and was leading the congregation where we had come to start a church um, began to sexually abuse me for a couple of years so I was about eight years old. Uh, and I think all of that came together really to plant in me a desire to do 
this work, to do it as a priest, to do it as a social worker, to do it as an advocate for women who have survived sexual violence, to do it um, as a grateful community member. All those mm. things put together is kind of why I do it. I, th- I think why I do what I do. Looking back, it seems like it. You know, like when you're planning something, it's, you don't really know. You're just kind of walking into it. That seems like the right thing. That thing. And then at the end, you look back and you go, oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, how and when did Magdalene House get its start? It started in 1997, in the summer of 1997. We opened up one house, and it was really, really simple. All we said is we're going to open up a house and just get out of every system in the world for five women. No court system, no religious system, no judicial system, just to have a sanctuary for women to come and heal. And so we said, come stay two years. We won't ever charge you anything for staying here, and we'll have no authority that lives in the house with you so you can really create community. And so we invited five women, five women in then, got a house donated, got furniture donated, um, new beautiful beds, beautiful comforters. We wanted to do it in a real lavish way, and we got partners in the community together to say, you know, um, we can get dental, medical, psychological, all the pieces that we needed. You know, and you think it's like, oh, my gosh, that's a lot of people and a lot of resources to help five women. But when you look back on it and you think about the five women, I mean, on average, they were first rate between the ages of 7 and 11. On average, you know, more than 50, almost to 100 arrests. They've been on the streets about 10 years. And it's like, guess what? It took those five brave women to try something new that's helped heal a whole community of people. Because now there's we have, we have six houses in Nashville that help 20 other communities get started or implement some of our best practice models from around the country. We have, you know, just we've grown and it's been a beautiful healing process for tons of people that they have they helped kind of inspire that we don't have to give up on anybody in our community. Wow. Um, and how did you uh, how did you select, how did you find, how did you identify the first five women, and how do women come to Magdalene now? Well, the problem for us has always been since we started saying the word home, you know, people, if you say that word in jail, people will start crying. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a beautiful idea, like, would you like to come home? Mm. You know, Mm. and so we don't have any real selection criteria. You have to have a criminal history of addiction and prostitution and trafficking, yeah. meaning that which means that you probably hit the streets somewhere between 14 and 16 years old. It means you are poor. It means you probably have some secondary mental health stuff or post-traumatic stress, you know, all of those things. And you can have all that. There is no collection criteria. So we just take the next one, the next one, the next one. But, like, right now we have over 100 women on our waiting list. When we helped wow. open the house in New Orleans, our first question was, how many people can we send there? Yeah. How many people oh. are you willing to take? We have women from Detroit. We have women from Florida. I mean, there's so few places that are really, really about, I mean, we're getting better as a country to talk about trafficking, talking about those issues, and educating ourselves. That we are... Wow, that's a bad noise. What's that? Wow. What, what was that, that noise? I don't know what that, that was. Yeah, yeah. I don't Sorry know about that. that. I, I, Aaron just called in uh, from California out in the field. Oh. I'll, I'll, uh, Maybe that was it. But 
But I'm saying we are getting better about educating. We're getting better about educating ourselves and all of those things, but really about providing long-term, free, sustainable community for women to come back into community. We are yeah. lagging bad about that. So, like, we got a call probably three weeks ago from Honolulu. Like, can we take a woman? She's just aged out of the system. She's 17 years old. She's been prostituted. She's, you know, has meth addiction on the street. And it's like, isn't there anywhere closer to Honolulu that she can find to go find healing than yeah. Nashville, Tennessee? Right. Anyway, that's that's kind of so. There's that. There's a huge need for it. And, and so, how we get the women to just you say the word, and people start calling you from everywhere. Hmm. Now, now you have found a way uh, to make these uh, to, for these women to become self-sustaining, self-supporting. Uh, mm-hmm. can, can you tell us about that? Sure. Um, about four and a half years into it, basically, um, all that happened was we realized that we were talking about love, and love is so healing, and isn't it great to be community? You know, all that just beautiful, sweet language. Yeah. But that the women were still poor as dirt, so it kind of felt like we weren't backing up what we were saying that if we right. love somebody literally i mean like you have to be concerned about their economic well-being if right. i really want you to stay off the right. streets if i really want you to get better from all that then then you have to you know have a way to earn money you can't go into a halfway house have to pay 125 dollars a week and if you don't have a job you have to hustle yeah and so yeah. we said let's start a bath and body care company we named fiscal farms and we started making candles and body bombs. And this month we are hiring one, two, five new women. In June we hired five wow. new women. But we have, because we opened a new cafe, we opened a new whole section of Thistle Farms. So we have over 50 women at this point who are either working or on their way to working um, in the next couple of weeks at the Social Enterprise, which is really fun to me. That's a big milestone. Wow. So we've got uh, the Thistle Farms products. I do know that we have those in our bathroom. My wife has this special part of the bathroom with stuff I don't touch. And I'm... I'm uh, no, don't say that. That's not what I need on radio. I need men to say this. I love what? your products. They have changed my life. I have skin, I realized, for the first time. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, need men, I, I need men endorsers. Okay. I will, I will, I will fly that flag. I just need oh. some. <laughs> okay, all right. We'll we'll get it some. Um, we can go online and buy this stuff, can't we? Now I do know it's available from local retailers here in Franklin, Tennessee. But for those of our listeners who don't have the good fortune to live in Middle Tennessee, they can they can go online and get the Thistle Farm stuff, can't they? Sure. Well, we're in um, two hundred and seventy something stores across the country. Oh, really? We have twenty eight wow. whole yeah. We have twenty eight Whole Foods stores in the southeast region. If any listeners are near Whole Foods in the Southeast region, we're covered in the whole Southeast region now. And um, But online is a great way to buy our products that are so good for men. Let's just talk about that for a second. So good okay. for men. No, but the women that – if you called right now and ordered, there's a good chance the woman that would pick up the phone is Anika, and she's one of our newer employees. And Anika, she comes from Detroit when she was little. She has gone through – a tremendous amount of abuse through the foster care system and really, really was lost to the streets and has found her way back and tells her story with beauty and grace about who she's forgiven, how she's forgiven, and how she's 
moving on. She's a great salesperson. She just came back from Jackson Hole, where she told mm-hmm. her story to a whole group of people out there. It was her very first trip for Thistle Farms. So it's really fun to call in and make orders or go online and know that the women that are filling those orders are really, truly making a new life. Wow. Amazing. Um, Becca, I, you don't know me. Um, a, a piece of my story that um, is not unfamiliar to our listeners is that I'm a recovering sex addict. I spent a lot of years doing things uh, of which I was deeply ashamed. I'm getting past the shame piece. Uh, just to accept responsibility and healing. I'm grateful for recovery. But one of the things I regret most uh, about my past was a period of uh, nearly 15 years in which I was hiring uh, prostitutes. We started picking up women on the streets and then and moved on from there. Uh, looking back, I can honestly say that um, I did not see any of those women as really as people as somebody's daughter, as somebody's mom, uh, never thought to reflect on what set of circumstances might have driven a woman to um, offer her body uh, and just to put herself at that risk. Um, It was all very much I had so objectified women and was so most of the time in a a disassociated state that I was just not connecting at all. This wasn't intimacy. It was uh, it was lust and it was squalid and and in the end ultimately unsatisfying. But something I couldn't stop doing. And uh, so you know I was one of those respectable uh, middle class white collar church guys. Hey, when I got started, I was a pastor. Um who, you know, married with kids, uh, who was out there um, and and was a John, uh, was never arrested, got away with it all those years. Um, What would you say or what might Anika say to a guy like me uh, back then? Wow, that's a powerful story. I didn't know that story. Before, I'm happy to answer that, but before that, so what happened to make the story turn around for you? That's what I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, My wife uh, caught me looking at pornography, uh, began to uh, uh, lovingly disengage from me, and in a desperate act to save my marriage, I... uh, got into a 12-step program for sex addicts and then began to deal with the whole thing. Eventually confessed it all all to my wife and found brothers and uh, came out of a life of hiding and began to live an integrated life rather than a split life. That's so beautiful. That really is. And I think one of the women, Katrina, who um, is the national director of sales for Thistle Farm, speaks quite often at the John School, where men who get arrested for solicitation and prostitution go for like an eight-hour school, and you know, yeah. sex, sex addicts anonymous, and all those groups come in and talk, and Vice comes, and DA's office comes, and talks about how the drug industry and the sex industry are related. But we always try to have a woman come to tell about her side of the story. To do exactly what you're talking about is just humanize the person for another person. Yeah. I and mean, the reason it's called trafficking is that you treat people like commodities. 
Yeah. You're trading in coffee or women or whatever your whatever the commodity is, it's not real. Yeah. And Katrina said at first she went and she thought she was just going to be so mad at all the Johns, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, look what you did, look what you've done, look what you continue to do by looking at pornography and buying and selling women the cost. And she said what happened after she got there a couple of times is she found herself having a lot of compassion for the Johns and they were just as sick as she was. Mm. That as, wow. she got, as, she got, as she got clearer and she got healthier, you could see just how broken other people look when you walk yeah. in the room and how scared and all of that stuff. And the, like you're saying, the shame that keeps us all so hidden about whatever's happened in our lives and that it's so nice just to be free from that because it was never about the Johns. Yeah. In a way, it was about, you know, the drugs. It was about surviving. It was about, you know, the woundedness from abuse and knowing that is a commodity that you can sell. It's the self-hatred and shame, all of the stuff you're talking about that the women are going through, too. And it's what you're saying is just such a reminder to me that it's like when I talk about prostitution as a victimless crime, it's like I really haven't heard of another crime that's more victim-filled. Where... You know, the Johns are victims, the women are victims, the community is victims, the children of the women are victims, the families of the Johns are victims. There's so many victims involved, and mm-hmm. it's all about reconciliation and community. Like you're saying, it's integration, and yeah. we have to move past all the judgment and fear just to say, how can we be a community together? How can we all love each other and respect each other? you know, to integrate our sexuality and our spirituality and our whole being to be about compassion for the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe you can help me with something then. Uh, a big part of the 12-step process, as I'm sure you know, is amends. It comes late in the 12 steps, but it's there. Uh-huh. And I've spent, I've, I've done, I've made a lot of amends uh, to my wife, to my kids, to former business partners, um, I keep my distance from uh, women I don't know, and I, I have, uh, you know, I don't travel alone. I do a lot of things to try to keep myself away from even being tempted to inappropriate contact with women. And I've really, until this conversation, haven't thought at all about any appropriate amends. I mean, there's no way to me even to know the hundreds of uh, women who, you know, I probably owe an amends to of some kind. I wonder if you can suggest maybe an amends in principle, some kind of a living amends that allows me to demonstrate my repentance uh, toward uh, women in the in the sex business. Well, that's a deep question, isn't it, for radio? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I would hate to tell somebody what their amends is. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't even know how to do that. But I would say that we have a policy, and the policy it just was organic that happened. And every Wednesday morning, the whole community gathers together, and it's a very, very simple circle. Mm-hmm. And in that circle, one of the women reads from um, a spiritual principle. We start with the third step, and then everybody does just, you know, around the circle. I'm grateful to be here, kind of thing. And then we end um, by lighting a candle and remembering the women that are still out in the streets and saying we're going to work to make sure they find their way home too, that the candle is a symbol of light that can bring somebody back. You and your wife are welcome to come any Wednesday morning 
and sit in that circle with us over at 51st and Charlotte. Wow. Spend 30 minutes. Just come spend 30 minutes in the circle in the presence with your wife in wow. that community. And um, I think if there was, I mean, that would be a beautiful way to start whatever that journey looks like about amends for the women. Wow. That is a wonderful wow. suggestion and a sweet invitation, and I will take you up on it. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Yeah. There's a helicopter going over my head. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. And Newton, any questions that come to your mind? Yeah, here? Uh, sorry, uh, I'm I'm just blown away by by all of it. I um, I have so many of the questions that I have are, are leadership and business questions, just with how you you know work with employees. But I think that's more of a a different question from a business, one business owner to another. But you know what, what though? Is, I think they go together. And the reason I think yeah. like the business side of it and the pastoral side and all of it go together is exactly what we're talking about is that we spend so much of our lives bifurcating everything. Okay, now I'm being pastoral. Right. Now I'm going to be business. Now I'm going to be spiritual. Now I'm going to be, you know, about make, making money. And it's like even that has to get integrated, even in our church yeah. communities. In my humble opinion, you know, we have healing ministry over here. We have finance committee over here. Yeah, we have, yeah, right. you know, all of these things in little committees, and it's like in community it all becomes one thing. So there is this meeting place of justice, economics, spirituality, yeah. and healing. It's not all separate ministry. So I'm happy to go back and forth, and we do it all the time in our yeah. circle, about here we can be good business people and have good leadership skills so we can be good and intentional about our healing and about our journey together. I don't want to be like a a slacker on business and just be like, oh, she just talks sweet or something. I don't, you know, I mean, I want to see it all as like one of the best ways for me to love the women is to be a very good business person. Yeah. Well, and I know I tell employees at my business, you know, when they're, when they're first hired, that they're now part of my family. And I, and I consider mm. them family um, because they're, they're helping my family and working for me. And, and I want to take care of them just like I want to take care of my family. And they're not, just employees we're a, we're a family but i wonder i'm sure that bond for for you guys is is much deeper but what is the process when someone you know when you guys i guess take a woman into the program um what does that process look like does does everybody that comes through the program wind up being an employee or or team member or like what is what does that look like how long does that process take so women come in for two years, and when they first come okay. into the program, they, you know, they come and they start getting recovery, and they live for three months without, they're not allowed to work. They get a stipend from the community. And the way that our business model is set up is it's, you know, you got to remember we're 90% women, 99% women, so just bear with me when I tell you what the business model is. Don't hang up. It's a flower, <laughs> and the flower in the center of the flower are the women. So... One of our principles is that, um, you know, the guest, the newest resident, the newest woman is the honored person, and they're in the very center of that flower, in the very center of that center circle. And so all the women are in the center who are residents of the program, but everybody else is petals around that circle of the flower. So whether it's administration or whether it's graduates running departments or whether it's social workers or whoever, those are all just petals you know, working 
and being a part of that flower, the essence of the flower. Sure. So I don't, like, the women don't work for me. I've never been on um, salary for my work at Magdalene and Thistle Farms. I truly huh. just work for the women. Wow. And that, that's, the, those are, those, that's the center. So, you know, if I'm not supporting the women, I'm not doing my work. The way we talk about it, it's pretty easy. It's like, you know, I didn't start this whole journey because, you know, and hire women because I love making candles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I right. make a ton of candles. I make, you know, we make, you know, whatever, 10,000 candles right now a year because we love women. Mm. Right. So that's the center of it, and that's the mission, and we don't get confused about that. That's, wow. that. So that's what we say. And so, you know, women, when they're ready and when it's good for them, they come to Thistle Farms. Not everybody that comes to Magdalene is at Thistle Farms, and not everybody that comes to Thistle Farms stays at Thistle Farms. But right. we've gotten to the point now. We are now a 13-year-old company, maybe 13 years old. Wow. That um, every, literally it's taken us a long time, but every department um, is run or co-run by a graduate of the program. So all the training of the new women, all of the banking, all the sales, everything, it's graduates training new women. Wow. Yeah. And that has to That's do something huge. just amazing for the, the purpose mm. and values and vision of both organizations. Um, yeah. That, that – that that they're so, I guess, linked together. Um, wow, that's that's great. Thanks. Um, it's really fun. Yeah. The thing is, is that I love is that, you know, we have learned so much from the business community. We have learned so so much just about cross training and about manufacturing and about raw goods, and inventory, and people just once they know that you're a volunteer, they come on board and go like, oh, I have this skill, I can do this. Right. And as when people come on, you know, as kind of long-term, intense volunteers, you want to train somebody and let them take it over and then move on. Right, right. So people that we call people that do that pioneers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're like pioneers <laughs> leading somewhere, but they're not trying to run the department. But that's mm-hmm. the right. long-term goal of running the department goes always back again to the center of that flower, the women. What a beautiful, beautiful model! I love it. I love it, and and so uh, this experiment in Nashville has now been replicated in how many other cities? A lot, and we have our very first national conference here. We're because we've had maybe, I think it's something like more than a thousand individual visitors to Thistle Farms, our facility at Fifty First and Charlotte, mm-hmm. last year, and we had, I think it represented a hundred. Over 127 cities. Wow. wow! Not all, not all of them in the U.S. I mean, we have people coming from Toronto and the U.K. and Brazil that hear about this program and come in to study it. So we've been having these, you know, immersion or education and training days. So what our goal is this year is to do everybody. We we'll have a lot of people at one time together in October. So October 13th through 15th at Fiscal Farms in Nashville. Um, when I think it's what's it called? Gosh, Garrett Bennett is doing the housing piece of it. Oh yeah, okay, we're having good. a nat- oh yeah, we're having a national conference, and so people are all coming together. And a lot of the cities that we've helped are doing workshops and speaking. One of the we have four different collaborations with women's groups in Africa, and one of the directors of that program from Rwanda is coming to speak. We have somebody from the National Trafficking Bureau coming to speak. Oh. I mean, it's really going to be a beautiful thing, but it's that it's been 
kind of exhausting just helping city by city. And we're thinking mm-hmm. it'd be nice to help a whole bunch of people at one time. Yeah, right. yeah. But yeah, there's about yeah, a, yeah. probably I think there's about 150 people registered for that. Wow. Unbelievable. All, advocate, all advocates and survivors coming together. What would you okay. say? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to ask, are those 150 people all wanting to start similar programs or, or open homes, but they're people that are related but not necessarily wanting to do what you're doing? Both. So, in okay. other words, if you have a program already going and you're like, I just want to learn about the social enterprise piece, like in right. the U.S., it's something like for the for the social enterprises that work with women who are in recovery, where that's the workforce, the average mm-hmm. size of those is between three and five, which basically okay. means it's very, very, very small, and it's really right. hard to sustain a business of any magnitude where you're actually making enough sales to sustain yourself on that kind of right. manufacturing right. level. You can't make enough stuff to... Right. Make enough money to to live. And then also your quantities are so low, your cost of goods are really high. Right. So what we're trying to do is figure out how to make a better alliance. We can have the shared trade alliance and we can leverage, have economic leverage among all the groups. And we could, like, you know, join forces even just on mailing lists to do specials sure. and product stuff and try to bump everybody up to say, instead of reaching your 5,000 people, let's all pool together and say, you know, just twice a year we're going to do these shared trade fairs where we're going to reach 100,000 people on the Internet and we're going to offer these specials and you're going to sell. You know, you're out on a little reservation in Wyoming. We're going to help you double your sales this year. Mm-hmm. That's that's so because, great. I mean, it's... it's, it's if it were. <laughs> it's, it's, that's fantastic. Uh, I mean, that's kingdom enterprise. <laughs> uh, Is there a word wow, for that's, that for real? That's awesome. Yeah. Is that a real word? What's that? Is that a real what? word? Kingdom Enterprise? I don't know, it's just what came to mind. <laughs> That's a great I, I, word. Yeah, I just trade I just trademarked it while you two were talking. So yeah. That was a great idea. <laughs> But that's but I, I love I that. Just, thing, oh, but... I just owned the domain name. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm in a Goodwill parking lot, and I've totally lost out. <laughs> um, but no, I love that 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 you guys are taking what you've been successful at, and you're helping others that are doing something, you know, similar or in similar veins, do that successfully so that they can help more people. That's so. Uh, that it's it's just refreshing to hear. Uh, I mean, whether it's well, a for profit business people, or a social enterprise. People have given us everything. I mean, we started out with nothing. We've never taken any government or state funding. It's all been people who have had a lot of gratitude for the mercy they've been shown in their own life. Mm. You know, I mean, me first and foremost for the forgiveness and mercy I have known. I have made many, many mistakes and just can't believe that I get to be doing this work and get to be sitting in this circle. And there's a lot of people that have that same experience and helped us get started. So we never want to franchise. We just want to give away whatever it is we have and help other people get started. And so other communities can love the women coming off the streets, too. Yeah. Right. Oh, that is wonderful. Well, Becca, I can't thank you enough for um, giving us some of your valuable time. I know you're a woman much in demand. Uh, We're going to get, I'm sure, a huge response from this interview. What's the best way for our listeners uh, to communicate with you or to connect with uh, Magdalen House or Thistle Farms? 
Wow, um, thank you for asking me that. And I hope we do get a response, and I hope I get to meet you all in person in our circle one Wednesday morning. That would be a huge, huge gift to That'd us. That would be great. Um, yeah. our, um, if people can contact, you know, through our website, thistlefarms.org. I have a Twitter account, Reverend Becca Stevens. I have a Facebook account, Reverend Becca Stevens. Thistle Farms has a Facebook, Come Like Us. I mean, any of those ways. You can get integrated, and we will reach out right back to you. And you can come order our products online. It's a beautiful way to support the work in the ministry. And also, when you share the products, tell your story and speak your truth in life. That is fantastic. All right. And is there is there a special is there a special guys branded website? Is it just thistlefarms.org or is it masculinemen.thistlefarms.org? No, you just have to go to the regular website because you have regular skin like every other human being. And it needs to be moisturized like every other human being and cared for. And winter's coming on, and you can't start too early protecting your skin. I don't know. I don't really know much about bath and body care products, but I hope you buy some. I'll I'll have to order in this week. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Bye. Thank you so much. Great talking to you so long. And we'll be right back here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh, a pirate's life is a wonderful life for roving over the sea. Hey. Hey. And we are back in the Pirate Monk Podcast. I've been trying to get Aaron. Aaron has been listening in, uh, but let's. I'm going to try it again. We when we when we go to his uh, microphone, I've been getting a lot of line noise. I'm going to try it one more time. Here we go. Hello, Aaron. Can you hear us? Can you hear us? I'm getting an echo game, but I'm not getting Aaron. There you, you go. All right. Yes. All right. <laughs> hey. Welcome. How to you the doing? Party. Good. Yeah. Well, hey, it was fun to listen to it for once, eh? Yeah. So I, yeah. I called in during the banter time, but there was no banter going on. There was deep stuff. <laughs> I got. Then I got unmuted as I screwed in a, a some kind of screw into some kind of metal. I don't know what I'm doing, but. Oh. Then you chastised me. You hum, you humiliated me on okay. on the solar field. <laughs> so if you're putting some sort of screw into some kind of metal and don't know what you're doing, is that government work? It is government work. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. So um, you are eliminating our dependence on foreign oil. You're doing your part for the country. For the country. I don't know. I don't know anything about that, but I am putting <laughs> screws in metal. Yeah. It is yeah. a giant erector set out here. You guys finally got the fasteners that you were waiting for last week. We did. <laughs> did you uh, did you explain that to the listeners no, no, last no, week? No, no, no. Our, our listeners need to hear what happened. Uh, this is this yeah. Is the... That that was that was the best because I get picked on as a pastor. People are like, "There's such bad communication in churches. Churches are so bad at communication." Blah blah blah. And we're out here waiting two days for some screws, some boxes of screws from <laughs> Illinois, so that we can put together. Uh, three semi-trucks full of steel that had arrived. There were supposed Mm -hmm. to be 13 boxes of nuts and bolts. It finally arrives 
and there were 13 nuts and 13 bolts <laughs> in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> well, you're a pastor. You just pray over them and they multiply. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but you have to break it first. It's like you got to oh, break right, the bread. Right. And yeah. I'm not a part of the power team that goes around the youth group, so there was no hope for me. It's really sad. Wow. So, yeah, I was, I, and I was the only one laughing. I'm like, this is really funny, you guys. And they all gave me dirty looks. So yeah. I thought that was funny. Uh, so we got the next day off. Because wow. there was a, we we polished off those thirteen nuts and thirteen screws in about three minutes. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Wait, wait. Just calling in from lovely Kalinga, California. Kalinga, and where, Kalinga. where is where is Kalinga exactly? I have no idea where I am. <laughs> it's uh, you 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 drive to hell and turn left. It cools <laughs> about five degrees. Yeah. Aaron, the last time I heard the word Kalinga, California was flattened by an earthquake when I was in high school. Yes, 1983. The the pastor were sleeping right. in trailers in a church. It was uh, their whole church was flattened. So evidently, the town just uh, there's still buildings they haven't rebuilt from uh, 1983. I believe it. So this is wow. uh, this is a big oil town, I guess, but the oil industry not so much anymore. So. Uh-huh. I don't know. They've got good Mexican food, though. All right. That's what I know. That's the extent of my knowledge. It's hot, and there's good Mexican food, and uh, I have enjoyed the uh, the company that I'm in my trailers with. A lot of canasta. And, and Dane Mansfield's out <laughs> here somewhere. Oh, is he really? He I'll is. He's on the same crew? He's leading this crew. I'll be talking. He's the only one to drive. Didn't you have to drive by where James Dean was killed to get there? Oh yeah, that's that's only like four to five minutes from our church. Yeah, they they were holding a little service when we were on our way back. There was a whole group of people there. Are so, you kidding me? You no, know, there, there was a group of people around the little <laughs> memorial. Wow! So reckless driving is still honored in this part of the country. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, so yeah, isn't it isn't it neat how we can make everything seem a little exciting here? <laughs> All right. Well, fellas, um, you know we've kind of turned the format on its head uh, this week. We went ahead and jumped into the interview. Uh, but I'm wondering, would you be willing? To, are, are you able to hang around for just a just a quick mini meeting? I imagine you missed your your uh, your regular Samson meeting this week, Aaron. No, I'm going to get dirty looks because uh, I need to pick up this impact driver and keep screwing uh, okay. these type of screws into the metal that I don't know what it's called. Okay, well, why don't you go back to work, and Jay and Newton and I will have a mini-meeting before the close of the show. Does that work? Good talking to you, fellas. All right, great have talking to you. Give our best to Dan. Thanks for calling in. Okay, bye. Bye. We'll be right back with a mini-meeting here on the Pirate Monk Podcast.
And we're back on the Pirate Monk podcast. I don't know that that gradual fade didn't fade so gradually, but that of course <laughs> was the jars of clay doing Dead Man Carry Me off the uh, Good Monsters album. Hey, they got a great new album out. I think we should get Dan back on the show uh, to hear some more f- about the jars. Well, anyway, welcome to this mini meeting of the Samson Society. We do this not only for our own edification, but for the instruction and edification of those good listeners out there who do not have the good fortune of being able to attend a meeting in their own locale or who are just trying to uh, figure out what, what, what a decent uh, meeting format is. Here's our suggested meeting format, uh, abbreviated, and we're going to jump into our sharing. Uh, welcome to this mini-meeting of the Samson Society. We're a company of Christian men. We're also natural loners who've recognized the dangers of, an is- of isolation and are determined to escape them. Natural wanderers who are finding spiritual peace and prosperity at home. Natural liars who are now finding freedom in the truth. Natural judges who are learning how to judge ourselves aright. And natural strongmen who are experiencing God's strength as we admit our weaknesses. As Christians, we meet at other times for worship, for teaching, or for corporate prayer. Today, however, we meet to talk. Our purpose is to assist one another in our common journey. We do so by sharing honestly out of our own personal experience the challenges and encouragements of daily Christian living in a fallen world. Uh, We have reached the sharing portion of our meeting. In sharing, we speak honestly out of our own experience. We tell the truth about ourselves, knowing that our brothers will listen to us in love and will hold whatever we say in strictest confidence. Uh, We try to keep our comments brief, taking care to leave plenty of time for others. Uh, We address our statements to the group as a whole rather than directing them toward any one person. And as a rule, we refrain from giving advice to others or instructing them during the meeting, believing that such conversations are best preserved for private moments between friends. The suggested topic today is, uh, I'm going to piggyback off uh, our conversation with Becca Stevens. Maybe we can take a little further the uh, subject that I opened up with her. Let's talk about amends. Of course, we're not confined to that subject. You can speak about anything that's currently commanding your attention. The floor is now open. Oh, I'm Jay. Hey, Jay. Hey, Jay. Uh, Amends is a topic I've struggled with in my own journey quite a bit because it crosses over into the Mr. Fix-It switch that I tend to like to flip and have been learning Mm. to maybe look at that switch but not flip it. Mm. Um, In in the past, uh, 0.6, it says, when I can do so without injuring anyone, I make amends for damage I've caused. If direct amends are impossible or inadvisable, I demonstrate my repentance in other ways. And it's uh, demonstrating repentance in other ways has been a struggle for me throughout my life because I, you know, I guess I'm a codependent. I know I'm a codependent, like a lot of us, and uh, I uh, I want to make everything just right all the time, and yeah. I have difficulty surrendering uh, to God in simple faith and just asking for His aid. And um, sometimes an amend will 
um, I'm learning just takes that form for me because I, I don't have to go around um, trying to trying to patch up the holes that I've caused in my life, my journey uh, when I've been in a destructive period. Mm-hmm. So uh, making making amends um, to others, whether I hurt them directly or they were participants in my own sin. Um, uh, it's really something that I have to surrender to God in a lot of ways. And mm. uh, for my family, um, amends really mean um, being present right now. It mm. might, it might, it might change form, but I, I'm okay with that. I, I don't have to. I, I can surrender that antsiness that I get as uh, as I uh, continue along this path. So, I'm Jay. You know, thanks, Jay. Thanks, Jay. Um, yeah. Well, I'm Nate. Hi, Nate. Hey, Nate. Um, yeah, I don't know why amends leapt to mind as I was listening to Becca. Uh, I guess I just uh, uh, talking about um, those girls as people uh, prompted in me, you know, this knowledge that there were. I was never going to be able to make things right with those individual people. And one of the things I great, greatly regret is that I didn't see them as individuals then. I thought that Becca's suggestion of an amends for me was just beautiful. And uh, what was beautiful about it was that it didn't require me to fix anything or even make some kind of grand formal apology. Uh, but to just go um, and sit in a circle of uh, fellow human beings and participate. Um, I don't. That almost brings me to tears. Just, just the prospect of doing that. Uh, it would be, and I don't think uh, that anybody in that circle needs to know what brought me there. Um, I think being there would in itself demonstrate repentance and it might very well bring a level of healing to um, a part of my story that while I've certainly acknowledged it and have experienced forgiveness for it, I know that there's more healing um, available to me there. You know, I, uh, you know, when I was doing the 12 steps for the first time, I really dragged my feet just because I knew that if, you know, once I got down the road, I was eventually going to have to get to amends. And the prospect of actually having to look people in the eye who I had injured um, so terrified me. I mean, I thought that would be distasteful. Uh, I was very intimidated by the whole idea. And um, so, um, so I really dragged my feet. I um, I found, though, that when I did get to amends, I, oh, except that I wanted to rush amends to my wife. And, uh, you know, so I got this counsel from a first sponsor, which is you don't need to be making a bunch of uh, detailed apologies to your wife. You don't need at this point to be filling her mind with all kinds of images that she'll never be able to forget. Um and you need to give up the illusion that anything you say at this point can fix her or take away her pain. Um, she has a journey that she's on that she's going to have to uh, that you can't accelerate. And so the you know the advice he gave me was to 
uh, begin a living amends to my wife, to begin to live a different way and be a different person around her. And that required doing things rather than saying things. Uh, it required listening more than talking. Uh, and it was those amends that, um, you know, that deliberate focus upon changing my way of life around my wife that over time, um, you know, gave her the foundation to begin uh, tentatively at first and then uh, more strongly as time went on to trust me. And then, you know, with that level of trust, I could make some more, uh, you know, direct amends. But that living amends was very important. And, um, you know, when Becca made her suggestion today, what I heard was that that same kind of suggestion. You know, don't give up the idea that you can or even need to say anything uh, that can that can fix it. Uh, but instead, be a different person and to go maybe now associate with women who were victims of the same system I was a victim of um, and just to be present and be who I am now. That in itself, I think, may very well uh, be the amends that I was looking for. I'm looking forward to doing it. Thanks. I'm Nate. Wow. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Nate. Well, I'm Newton. Hi, hey, Newton. Uh, amends, uh, for me, uh, similar to what what, I, what you guys said, um, initially when I thought about it, meant doing something. It was it was a very active process, and and now, you know, I guess a few years into recovery, amends to me is a much quieter process. Um, mm. Uh, like it's active, but it's quiet, um, a, a more quieter process than I, than I anticipated. Um, the best way for me to make amends to my wife is to, well, first listen and know what she wants and know what, what healing, not that I can give her healing, but know what, what healing she needs and pay attention to her and be attentive to her. Cause otherwise I'm doing the same thing. Uh, that I was doing for years, which is to put my needs in front of her mm-hmm. uh, by offering the amends that I think I need to offer, not the amends um, that that she needs. Um, and so I, I think for me, it, that process has been a lot, yeah, a lot more quiet than I, than I would have anticipated. It just means for me that I need to, I need to reflect, um, uh, that reflects not the right word, but I just, I need to be the person that I should be. Um, you know, that, that heal, the healing of my, just living out a recovered life, uh, a recovering life and, and being the man I should be is the best amends I can make to my wife. Um, I think amends, what it looks like to me for, with others, um, aside from just being present, is to be there for, at least in these circles, be there for other guys and to be a, a support for other guys so that they don't feel alone like I felt like I was alone mm. and to be visible um, and to, to be, yeah, to be active and to be visible. Um, 
but I think first and foremost, and it's one of the things that I'm so grateful for in Samson society. Um, I was telling my wife last night that the, the thing that I love most about Samson is that it forces me to listen 80% of the time. Uh, mm. I'm, I talk a lot. <laughs> and so being forced, forced may not be the right word, but it works. Being forced to listen 80% of the time trains me to listen to the needs of others and to listen to the hearts of others. And that's the best way that I can start to make amends with anyone is to first learn what they need and to learn what I've done. Uh, and I think for me, it all, it all starts from there by listening and being quiet. Um, so that's what I think of when I think of amends. I'm Newton. Thanks, Newton. All right. And we'll be right back with uh, closing thoughts here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. back. Boy, I'm missing uh, Mondo and his uh, practiced professional fades, but uh, we're back here. <laughs> what a what a terrific hour. It has just flown on us again. I really enjoyed that conversation with Becca. It's good to hear from Aaron. Uh, hey, Jay, how can our uh, listeners get in touch with us? Uh, uh, yeah, what, what do we what do we need to tell our thousands of listeners out there? Well, there's a whole bunch of ways, Nate. Uh, the first would be uh, at, uh, by email, piratemonkradio at gmail dot com. Uh, Twitter, we need more followers, so uh, go to at piratemonkradio and uh, and click that follow button. And uh, we'd love to uh, spread the word uh, that way, as well as on Facebook. So. Uh, uh, go ahead and check those things out and uh, um, connect with us that way. Also, if uh, you um, are not listen, if you're listening live and uh, you want to listen to past uh, shows, you can uh, pick that up on iTunes and on uh, Stitcher. And also, with uh, with iTunes, if you don't mind going going on there and uh, searching Pirate Month podcast 
and uh, give us a rating and review us. Uh, that really helps us with our visibility, so we appreciate that. Fantastic. And I, I want to tell you, Jay, I appreciate you getting those accounts set up and doing such a terrific job of booking guests and, uh, and really making this show sing. You're doing a terrific job. Here, here. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it, boys. Uh, it's another one uh, in the bag. We've got a we have got a um, a great show coming up next week. Our guest next week is uh, David Merle, the uh, author of the a very influential book Why Men Hate Going to Church. Uh, he's got a new one out for women called What Your Husband Isn't Telling You. Uh, he'll be calling us in from Alaska. You're not going to want to miss that show. So until next week, I'm Nate Larkin. On behalf of the absent Aaron and Mondo and uh, their remarkable fill-ins, uh, Newton Dominey, and, of course, our executive producer, uh, Jay Spiegel. Goodbye. We'll see you next week here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Well, I'm up and I'm down and I'm all around, but I'm okay if you ask me, because we don't really take the time to care like we could. I could trip, I could fall, you won't know it all, because your busyness is blinding.